Dave from New Jersey, it's the SNL Nerds, the show where two comics from New Jersey nerd out about Saturday Night Live. I'm your co-host, John Trumbull. And I'm your co-host, Darren Patterson. How you doing, Darren? It's been forever since we talked. Oh, my Lord in heaven. It's been it's been forever and a day. Like I, it's, No, actually, it's been a day. It's been literally oh. a day since oh, we right. spoke. <laughs> it's been less than 24 hours. Yeah, so, I, I just I just can't quit you. What can I say? I, I pretty much know how you're doing. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're doing all right. And we're doing great today because, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have a guest with us here in the, in the studio, the cyber studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's always yeah. exciting. Who is yeah. our guest, Darren? Our, Introduce us all. Our guest is a very good friend of mine, a fellow comedian, a r- fellow writer, and he's from my neighborhood, too. He's from uh, good old Jamaica, Queens, New York. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Mr. Tommy Ray. Yay. Hey, fellas. What's going on? So happy to be here. I'm glad that you know, just chasing down Darren in the streets has finally got me to the place where I need to be on this podcast. I'm so happy to right. be here. Like You guys have no idea. That's right. <laughs> you win. You, you grab the brass ring, my friend. This is yeah. this is it. One of my favorite terms. Yeah, one of my favorite terms. Well, no, I'm, a, I'm a huge uh, SNL fan, so uh, talking about it brings me great joy. So I'm just happy to talk about it with you guys. That's very cool. And I understand uh, Darren was telling me before we started recording, you actually have a personal connection with SNL. You've, you've worked for the show as like a background player. Yeah, so from, I would say, uh, what was Keenan's first year? Keenan's first year was like 2003, I think. That was in the Paleozoic era. Um, he, I think he's at 18 <laughs> years now. I think I looked it up yesterday. Uh, yeah, 2003 was when he started. Yeah, so him and Finesse came on the first that first year. That's when I started um, mm-hmm. doing background. And it was way different from where it is now. And, like, you know, we could talk about that. But it's uh, um, I did it for about seven or eight seasons. Went through like three different background casting um, directors. It was it was always like a thing. So um, I don't know. I could talk about that. I could talk about the, the the time that Halle Berry looked at me, and I thought my heart dropped because I thought she was staring at me, but apparently it was something behind me. But that's not the story mm. I tell people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it sounds very. Uh, <laughs> she was looking in your vicinity. That that still counts. That counts. Hey. I'll take that to my grave as a, as a win. Um, exactly. So, yeah, you know, um, it was always fun in the beginning. Uh, we had a, a casting guy who was very, very much like, this is just, you know, supposed to be fun. And now it's gotten, you know, after all this time, it's gotten a little bit more serious, but yeah. it's still always like a good time. Okay. Cool. Well, how did you actually, how did you get started in something like that? How do you get started in, I mean, were you just doing background work for, for any place for wherever and then you just sort of focused on snl uh specifically like how do you how do you get started in such uh such work so okay so since uh john i don't know how old you are but i'm an i'm an older guy right so in the back in the analog days you used to just like go back into backstage and like call the number and they'll be like sure you can come on my set so it was kind of similar with uh snl i had a good friend god bless the dead george tiggle who went to school with the guy who was doing casting for snl and i'll never forget this story i my he goes i'm going my buddy george goes i'm going on snl this weekend do you want to go with me and i said what are you talking about like that doesn't make any sense what you just said he's like no my buddy works there he said ask me if i want to do background so i'm going to do background i said take me along so he takes my buddy he takes myself and my buddy carrie with him 
and we go and we do the first show, which was, I think that season was Jack Black and I could be wrong. Mm -hmm. And we do the opening uh, with Jack Black. Like we're in this, this he does this huge music, mu- Tenacious D does a huge musical number and we're like in it. And, cool. and then at the time, so before it was SAG, SAG after, you can only do like a month's worth of work. So I did Jack Black, I did Halle Berry, I did um, uh, Regis and, and Kelly, what's, I'm sorry, what's the, the host name? The Kelly, Kelly Ripper. Kelly Ripper, thank you. I don't know why I forgot that. And, um, and it might have been Justin Timberlake. I think also because I, I think I did the first omelet bill, so oh, wow. it was like you. I, I think John on another podcast you said murders row before, so I'll steal that term. It was just like a, a huge like it was like a drug, right? So I couldn't mm-hmm. get back in that season, but I got the money to join the union, and I got back the next season. The guy remembered me, and then I was just doing it. Um, if I could quickly explain the day, would you guys like me to explain like how the day goes for like a background person? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, let's, okay, let's hear all the, all the dirt. Yes. So, so what happens is usually uh, you come in on like, so if you're doing a digital short, that could be any day during the week from Tuesday to Friday like or Saturday. But yeah, it, usually sense. you come in for the Saturday show, you come in on a Thursday or Friday, anytime between like noon and whatever time it is. And then you do a rehearsal. So they're, they're blocking, they're marking, they figure out if they need you or not. Then you come back in on Saturday. Saturday's like, you have to be there by like noon, 1230. It may have changed, but you're there the whole day. Like you're there from 1230 until about 11 o'clock. And that's when they decide what's going to happen, who, what sketch is going to get cut. Now I've been there till 11 o'clock and they've let me go. And I've also been there at 1130 where they're like, hey guys, we might still need you for something. And I've been there till about 12.45, 12.55, when they just decided you were up against like another uh, another sketch. And then they mm-hmm. just like let you go. So I've been there like all times doing all things. Um, and like the all day thing is tough because you're you're doing a rehearsal at any time from 12 to like 5 or whenever they do the rehearsal show. So you're just mm-hmm. in a background space, which was either Jimmy Fallon, uh, Dr. Oz, the old Conan studio or where Seth, Seth Myers is now AG. And you're just there all day with a bunch of people you don't know. Obviously, you know, <laughs> doing it for a while, I knew a bunch of people after a while, but it was always like a fun time. Yeah. Wow. Cool. That sounds fantastic. Cool. It's fun. Um, maybe, maybe if I still have some connections, I can like try to get you guys to do some background. Oh, well, that, that would be fun. <laughs> we, we would be up for that. That was, yeah. you know. <laughs> you like a of comedians like milling around in the background than Jen and I. Are, yeah. <laughs> well, back in the day, it used to be a lot more freedom in the early 2000s to like literally walk around with 8H with hardly oh, sure. any security. <laughs> it was, it was yeah. just so, yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Do, I mean, do they take care of you okay? Do they do they feed you at some point in the day? Do you get a juice box or anything? Yes. So you get oh. so uh, after your sketch is done, you can go out and go do whatever you like. Um, mm-hmm. And usually we would try to go out and get lunch, but then they always had like a bag lunch. So I would always grab like turkey and cheese and they would have Oreos. And at, at that time in my life, I was like a huge Oreos guy. guy mm-hmm. So I would just like collect Oreos from people. I mean, I basically, sometimes you just have nothing to do during the day because you're sometimes you're just doing like a walk by. Yeah. Um, and just to, just to put a, uh, like a tiny button on the shirt, you know, it's uh, uh, one of my famous, most famous ones is 
because I'm in like a I I can't say I had a bad time doing it because I was featured in a lot of like sketches. But the Kelly Ripple one, there's like a P Diddy thing during Weekend Update with Jimmy Fallon and Tina Fey, and I play like one of the runners. That's my most prominent one. Nice. So if you guys ever see that one, like that's where I am. And then there's a bunch that you would have to like pick me out in. Okay. Wow. That's, that's pretty fantastic. Would you have a, like a better chance of showing up on camera like during a live segment or during one of the, the pre-tapes? That they that's a really good question. So um, it differs, but more than it, it's during the pre-tapes, they're like, hey, okay. I did, I did one. One of my last few ones was when John Cena hosted. Um, he only hosted once, correct? Am I wrong about that? I keep thinking he hosted twice. I don't remember. I could try to look it up. Give me a minute. Yeah, I think he hosted once. So so um, I got a call. I'm a huge professional wrestling fan. I get a call. They're like, oh, they're doing John Cena. Do you want to come? I'm like, yeah, you know, you know, because sometimes you just want to like see these guys in person, right? So yeah. obviously he's like a, a wall of a man. Right. So you're like, you're like, you're like, you're like, okay, well, shaking his hand is like shaking, like, you know, a, 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 what do you call it, a bunch of bananas and like putting in your hand. And like, that's like, he's like a huge guy. And so, by the way, just, I looked it up. Uh, he hosted December 10th, uh, 2016, and had a cameo on October 9th, uh, 2021. So, the 2021, I wonder if that was like the Tracy Morgan one, maybe, right? Mm, I don't know. I don't know. Let me see. I f- okay. I feel like that might have been the Kim Kardashian one where she was yes. playing like the Bachelorette sketch and there was like all these famous people in it. Oh, yeah. And John Cena like showed up randomly in that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think I'm that pretty sure that was it. So, yep. Okay. But um, but please continue your, your John Cena story, uh, Thomas. Yeah. So I, they just had us in a space sketch and I had, they just had me sitting with another person with my back to the audience in like a spaceship and mm-hmm. like they were trying to figure it out. So we were in it like the whole time. And then when it came to close to the showtime, they were just like, we don't need you guys here anymore. <laughs> so so the back of your head wasn't contributing enough to the sketch. Yeah. You know, that's the weird thing about like big money. That's the thing I've learned about Saturday Night Live is like the, the most interesting thing is like they will start. They won't start a scale. Everything's like huge. Right. And then it gets uh-huh. closer to showtime and they shrink it. And um, uh-huh. one of the most amazing things to see, though, you know, like dealing with the live audience is interesting because every time we would come out, the live audience would be like, oh, my God, look at those guys kind of thing. You know, like you just felt like the audience like staring at you, wondering what you were doing. How'd you get there? That type of thing. So it's, it's always very interesting. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Very, very cool. So, I mean, what what were the, the most interesting brushes with fame that you had during all your time? Because you, you must have had a, a little bit of. Of, of fame encounters during your, your seven years doing this. Yeah. John, you were knocking out of the park with the questions, buddy. Oh, um, you. You're killing it. You're <laughs> killing it. Um, so no, thank uh, you. Team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's rare among comedians, right? We're like complimenting each it other. Is. Like it's like, it's very rare. Um, I don't know how to deal with positive affirmation. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're smart enough. I just want to do the bit. You're strong enough. You're smart enough. People like you. Um, that was, that's the callback. Okay. Where, um, so LeBron James, uh, was interesting because I was sitting, I think I was sitting on like a stairs situation and he was like walking up the stairs for this, for the sketch. And every time he walked up every step, I was like, this is like a, I've never seen anybody this big in my life type of thing. 
So when he got up to me, like when I saw him like face to face, I was like, he's like built of like, he's like a, a four little kids a raincoat type of thing. Like he's a huge <laughs> man. <laughs> he's a huge man. Um, Tom Brady also, uh, he was, he's way bigger than I thought he was. Uh, Kevin Spacey of all people, like took Ooh. the time to come over. Right. Exactly. He took the time to come over and like talk to the background people. He's like, hey, are you guys doing okay? And this is like, you know, before all the bad things happened. So until right. everybody was like, this is an awful person. I was like, Kevin Spacey is cool. And then, you know, I'm wrong. Um, <laughs> like years later, you're like, oh no, Kevin Spacey was grooming me. Oh my God. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> oh. Mine, of course I'll have some Kevin Spacey. Um, no, um, <laughs> but uh, him, uh, Tom Hanks, of course, like there's no bad Tom Hanks story, right? Yeah. Um, so he was, he actually took the time to like talk to us. Um, a lot of cast members were Bobby Moynihan always sticks out. Keenan, Bobby Moynihan and, um, Sudeikis, they always stick out as like people, uh, Kristen Wiig also who were like always willing to like take the time to talk to us. Uh, Andy Samberg, like I did a lot of digital shorts also that didn't like, you probably can't see me in. Uh -huh. But those guys um, always were like really nice and really like helpful and, you know, didn't treat us like dirt, which is all you can ask for. That's always um, nice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> look, being the life of a background person, if anybody's listening to this and they're thinking about going to background, I say do it if you want to get closer to the biz. But I don't say don't do it if you think you're going to get plucked out of obscurity to be like on the cast of SNL or any show. You know, that's not what it, that's not what it's for. And that's what you come against. People are like, I mean, because it happens minimally and sometimes, yeah. but it's not something you want to bank on, you know, type of thing. The odds are just, I'm sure, astronomical of anything like that happening, especially with something like SNL, which is just so thoroughly planned out. Yeah. You know, I the people, some of the people I started, okay, I'll tell you this one. Uh, you guys know what an under five is, right? That's when you, um, you get uh, paid for saying under five lines on the show, right? Oh, right. So, okay. I didn't know. Yeah. Know. So it's, so you can make like a grant. So right now it's like, let's say it's a thousand dollars, right? Mm -hmm. So you go in, you go, it's the Ghostbusters. And they're like, oh, you know, th that's like, your, that's my go-to because of the Ghostbusters movie. I always think about right. that construction mm -hmm. worker in that movie. <laughs> hey, it's the <laughs> Ghostbusters. Like, I always think about that guy. I'm like, what is he doing? That's such a good line. Um, <laughs> uh, so he. The really weird thing is, is that is that uh uh what's his name the uh ron jeremy is an extra in ghostbusters which still weirds me out what <laughs> yeah. <sorry>. no, <laughs> ron jeremy is an extra in the original ghostbusters movie you can like during one of the crowd shots you see it like clear as day a young ron jeremy there and i That's... i just want to know i want a movie about how that happened <laughs> i am that blows my mind for obviously all the reasons possible um yeah. <laughs> later on <laughs> well now we're now we're just going to a place in this podcast i didn't think i'm gonna know um so they they're not gonna plug so the under five so i am the only i would say out of the eight people i started with who didn't uh -huh. get an under five on snl and it's it's amazing because like everybody be like yeah man because it's it happens in different ways like people, right. um, like one of my buddies, they were just like, hey, we're going to put you guys in a choir. And they were like, everybody in the choir gets an under five. And then they're like, I'm just going to upgrade you for whatever. It just never fell my way in seven or eight years. So it's oh. not something I'm mad at because I had like a really good time while there. But I just think about it, of course, because once again, I'm a comedian, right? 
So I just, yeah. <laughs> I think of all right. the failed opportunities, missed opportunities. Um, but everybody was really nice to me every all the times I was there. So I have nothing but good stories. That's cool. That's very cool. That's very cool. That sounds fantastic. And I mean, uh, for something like this, um, this was probably like a dream come true for you because like, as you said before, you're a huge SNL nerd. So let, let's get into your SNL nerd's uh, origin story. Like, how did you discover the show? What kept you coming back for more? Uh, you know, favorite eras, favorite cast members. Let's let's get into it. That's gonna be that's gonna be really tough for me to like try to distill like what my favorite thing is because my uh, my oh, parents watch S. <laughs> what was that? What happened? I just said never mind then. <laughs> no, right. I just, guys, I'm gonna leave. Um, no, it's um, <laughs> they um, get out. My parents were into so yeah. I was born in the late '70s, so my parents were into SNL from the beginning. Like my dad was was totally like I love SNL, and of course, you know, with the super super duper stardom of Eddie Murphy, like as a young black kid, you're like I, you know, that's what people are talking about. Like we had the best Eddie Murphy at home on VHS. You know, I don't know if people still know what that is, but those are letters that don't come up much. Um, we had the best Eddie Murphy. Uh, we were huge into his cast, but I, I would say out of my friends and my family. I'm the only person who stuck with it throughout the 80s and mm. then went into the 90s when I went to college and 2000s because obviously I started. So I like I followed the show. So I was there for the um, the one off Billy Crystal, Marty Short year. I was there mm -hmm. for the um, for the uh, the Janine, uh, Julie Louise Dreyfus, the uh, Robert Downey Jr. stuff. The um, and of course the Dana Carvey Phil Hartman era, which turned into the the um, uh, what's his name um, Chris Kattan and oh why can't I say his name you know what I just well, had well, a huge brain like ridiculousness so I'm sorry so the um, Sherry O'Terry uh, uh, <laughs> Will Ferrell I couldn't say Will Ferrell I'm sorry everyone Will Ferrell Sherry O'Terry era um. And then that awful Chris Elliott. Uh, what was that cast? Chris Elliott and Chris that's the first time. Garofalo, uh, Jimmy Garofalo. I mean, they had good people. It just didn't work. I mean, and the writing was bad then too. Sarah Silverman era. Uh, yeah, Jay Moore, Jay Moore uh, Laura Keitlinger Moore. was there. Yeah. Did you guys, can I ask a question before I go for it? Were you guys watching um, SNL on Comedy Central? Um, a lot in your youth, or you guys were just watching like the shows and trying to figure it out from there. Um, yeah, I, wa I watched a fair amount of it when it was in on Comedy Central. That was like in the in the '90s. They were doing a lot of that, and so I was. That would have been around the time I was in college. So yeah, I, I watched a, a fair amount, and it was like the only place you could watch old episodes at that time. They they ran on the E Network for a while too, as I recall. Yes. Yeah, I'm the same way. Like I was watching it on, uh, like the, you watch the old, like you said, watch the old episodes from even from like back in the '70s. They would put it, like the original cast, the OG, on uh, Comedy Central. I remember it being on VH1 too. I could be wrong, but yeah, it was yes, also right. on E. Right. It was also yeah. on E, and that's like uh, that's why I'd watch all the old ones so I could see, you know, like oh, who's this John Belushi person people keep talking about? Who's you know Bill Murray or you know Gilda Radner? So like I would sort of you know, sort of catch up there and sort of do my homework there. But then I would also go back and I'd watch the new episodes as they came out. Like, uh, I mean, like I first started watching it uh, regularly in like the Dana Carvey, 
Phil Hartman, Jan Hooks era, and I've been pretty consistent with it since then. But yeah, but then I'd go back and watch the old stuff, like, you know, that was a little before my time, like early 80s and 70s stuff. Yeah, I, I thought the Comedy Central stuff was so weird because they were only do an hour. So either yeah. they would cut the monologue or they would, but they would always show like the, the music, musical guests, depending on what the second song was, like twice. Mm-hmm. So basically you had like three sketches in and out because <laughs> of commercials. Right. So it was yeah. always weird. Um, but yeah, I stuck through all of it. So when you guys said we're going to do, you know, this movie, I don't want to spoil what the movie is or whatever, but um, this is one of my... Billy Crystal is one of my favorite because Fernando, Fernando's house, Fernando's whatever. I'm sorry, the uh, name of uh, the thing. Fernando's Hideaway. That was it. Fernando's Hideaway. Thank you. I don't know why I'm forgetting this. Fernando's Hideaway was a running joke in my family. They loved. Mm. They loved Fernando. They loved um, Billy Crystal doing Sammy Davis Jr. Um, I was a big Ed Grimley guy. Ed that I loved the Ed Grimley cartoon, but that was from SCTV. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, I loved all that stuff. I loved Weekend Update. Um, I like I loved that whole that whole one-off era. The Jim Belucci, I even liked him then. Like they had that weird intro where they were. I like, had a train going through, and everybody was like spray painting or doing different things to the train in the beginning. I remember like that, that was yeah. one of my favorites. Yeah, that was that was that was one of the funkier uh, openings that they've had on the show. Yeah, yeah, I loved <laughs> it. I love it. It was one of my yeah. It was one of my favorite era because I saw. It was kind of like wrestling to me because I saw Martin Short come in and do all his SCTV stuff on uh-huh. SNL. And it felt really important because I knew a lot of people didn't like get it, how good he was, you know? Right, so, right. It was fun. Yeah, yeah they absolutely. did a lot of cool stuff in that year. And uh, yeah, so uh, going back to the, the extra thing, why did you... Why did you stop? Was there a particular reason that you, you stopped doing it, if it's not too personal a question? Oh, no, it's definitely not. I I, um, I started working another gig. I started. I decided that um, I was going to start stand-up comedy. That's exactly the time I started stand-up comedy. So I started bartending so I can get out early and get to gigs. Mm-hmm. And um, SNL kind of didn't. I, and when I got into bartending, they kind of like, it just didn't line up with SNL, even though I was working in Rockefeller Center. So I would oh, wow. see people from SNL, um, and I'd be like, oh, man, I should just go up to S." But, like, I just couldn't get out of my job to, like, get up there. So I kind of uh-huh. was like, if I'm going to do stand-up, then I just can't. I got to do it and, like, not worry about, like, because, like I said, SNL is, like, a whole day. You know, it's, like, it's it's a whole, like, thing. It's very encompassing. So uh-huh. I was just like, oh, but, you know, I've gone back, and I've done, like, little things every now and again. Um so it's good. And the people that are, are there now are very, are still very cool. So that's good too. Cool. Very cool. All right. You're fantastic, well, man. So yeah, you wouldn't um, think you would have to leave the SNL lifestyle to start doing comedy, but it's kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I see what you're saying though. It is, it is a time commitment. If you have to be there all day, I mean, you, you can't have a whole lot else going on, I suppose, or at least not on the Saturday. So yeah, and, and I didn't before, you know, <laughs> that was the whole thing, like I did it. You got a life, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I started, well, that's, I met my wife was at the time, my girlfriend in 2010 also. So yes, ah, it, oh. it kind of coincided with that. that. Yeah. 12 years together, this guy, 12 years. Aww. Congratulations. Well, hi, I'm. 
All right. Well, like, as you said, um, we are doing a movie with Billy Crystal. I think this is one of his first movies, or it might have even been his movie debut. I didn't look that up. But we're doing uh, Running Scared with uh, Billy Crystal and Gregory Hines. Actually, Gregory Hines gets billing above Billy Crystal, which shows you yes. how early it was in Billy Crystal's movie career. So, yeah, Running Scared, it's it's a, uh, a police comedy from 1986. Yeah, it came out uh, June 27th, 1986. Uh, made about... I think it's like thirty-eight mil. So which yep. I think it was like I think it did decent. It was like a hey, moderate modest success. I, I was reading on IMDb uh, the trivia page that they talked about doing a sequel, but uh, they didn't come up with a script that uh, Heinz and Crystal liked enough. But uh, right. yeah. I think it was going to be called "Still Running." So. <laughs> that sounds like a title, like I would say, as a joke. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe scared, it yeah. could have been running scared too, still running. But I think it was <laughs> <laughs> running scared three. Just stop, take a break for a minute. To, but we'll keep running. running after this. Enough with the running. Uh, <laughs> by the way, by the way, how weird is it that Billy Crystal's playing an Italian in this movie? That was the first yeah. thing I thought. One hundred percent. Like his name, his name is Costanzo, and I'm like, really, Billy Crystal's a Costanzo? (laughs) I I think they just thought, well, he has black hair. That's that's good. That's that's enough. It's uh, it's what what made you want to do uh, this this movie, Tommy? Because it's kind of an unusual choice. It's not it's not one that you would initially think when you're thinking like, hey, we're gonna do a movie with an SNL uh, cast member in it. Yeah, because I, I remember, Tommy, like when we were talking about movies, you mentioned you saw this in the theaters, right? Yes, I'm I'm very old. Um, yeah, I, my parents, I, I, I saw it too. I must have seen it with my parents because I would have only been about 14 at the time. So It's a hard R. This movie is a, a hard rated, R. <laughs> rated it's, a hard, it's a rated R movie. There's no reason I should have been in the movie there. I don't, I don't entirely get why it's R because it's like it's not really violent. There's not a lot of profanity. You see, like a couple butts, and that's it. So I don't, I don't really get why it's R. But I, I might have an answer for that. I don't think, and you guys can check me on this. I don't think PG thirteen came out until eighty seven or eighty eight. I may, so I think it was either PG or R at the time, and it wasn't PG. So I I don't think PG thirteen existed. I could be wrong. Maybe not. I, I, I remember that they, they created PG thirteen because. Uh, the controversy with Gremlins and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. They were like, this is a little hard for a PG. <laughs> and so they, that's why they created PG-13. Um, okay, actually, uh, yeah, PG-13 debuted July 1st, 1984. Oh, okay, okay so I'm wrong. Okay. So, so they had no reason for this not to be a No, movie. there's no reason for the movie to be such a hard R. <laughs> what the hell? What the hell? Um, I chose this. Yeah, I, I, Darren's correct. I went to go see this in the movie theater with my parents. It's always, and in rewatching it, I realized why, because you just don't, and I bring this up all the time. You don't, and I, and I saw, I read an interview with Gregory Hines when he was talking about this. You don't see this type of action movie with a black man as the lead doing the Uh things that they did. Now, were they not the greatest things as cops? Yes. But (laughs) Gregory Hines had the opportunity to be a leading man who is doing like yeah. a, just a bunch of things that and, and in a comedy that even today you don't see, you don't see much, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's, that's true. I, I saw another thing I saw on the IMDb trivia page is Gregory Hines. It's part of the reason 
that he did the movie was because like he was the guy who had the sex scenes in the movie. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, you hardly ever get to see that with with a black man in on uh in movies. So That's so interesting. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I mean I also I think because like this was kind of a role we we're not used to seeing Gregory Hines. Like when you hear Greg when you say the name Gregory Hines, you don't think action buddy cop star. Right. Like he was like a song and dance man. Like he was known for his dancing and, and he did musicals. he did the movie with Mikhail Baryshnikov, uh, uh White Knights, I remember. And I think uh, you know he did. <laughs> or something. And I don't know what Gregory Hines did in it, but I just remember clips of the two of them dancing together and it was like, wow. Um but yeah, 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 it's but it it they have a decent chemistry together. I mean, it's it's an offbeat pairing, but I I do I do like them together. I yeah, loved no, watching them work together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was I mean I was gonna say like uh, I mean we'll get into it, but I thought I mean I thought the movie was okay, but you know it's very formulaic. It's very kind of paint by numbers. It has a lot of tropes in it and that you yeah. see in buddy cop movies. But yeah, the chemistry between Billy and Gregory is what saves it for me because they're they're yeah, really good together. It the way they... I've, yeah, I've like... actually got the DVD with me. I'll I'll just read the back just to give people a, an idea of what the movie's about. Um, so, Dynamite Screen Team: Gregory Hines, The Cotton Club, White Knights, and Billy Crystal, City Slickers, star in the motion picture that asks the question: How come the bad guys always drive the good cars? The answer has them running scared in this lightning-paced comic thriller. Ray and Danny are the wild men of the Windy City's police force. The pair's unorthodox methods get results in a tough town <laughs> until they come up against Julio Gonzalez, Jimmy Smits, NYPD Blue, a smooth-talking drug dealer who is bucking to become Chicago's first Spanish godfather. Dare to dream, guy. Uh, trying to nail Gonzalez, they blow a <laughs> operation and are sent on a forced vacation to Key West where they discover the good life of warm weather and warmer women. The new locale makes them decide to retire, but not before putting Gonzalez behind bars first. So I'd totally forgotten that Jimmy Smith's was the bad guy in this movie. Yeah. See, that's, that's like one of the tropes that I was talking about in movies like this, where Mm -hmm. like, it's always like a Latino uh, drug Lord. Yeah, in these roles, and this is uh, this is like a pre-LA Law Jimmy Smiths. This is early Jimmy Smiths because I don't think yeah. LA Law started until like '87 or so. Yeah, um, and we also see uh, Joe Pantoliano as like you know the his the sidekick, the snake, the street. Like Joe Pantoliano always plays like you know he's, he's slimy like street guys. It's a it's a punk Joey Pants, which I got a kick out of. Uh, you know, we we see him with like a pink faux hawk. Thing going on, and I'm like, that's Joey Pants with a with a faux hawk. I kind of love it. It's, yeah, it's, this movie watching in 2022 feels like a fever dream. Like, there's yeah. no real structure, right? There's no this structure. There's no, uh, like, yeah, the act one, the the act breaks are everywhere. Like everything <laughs> yeah. is like it's everywhere. Like, and every every scene is like weird because it like goes from scene to scene. And even the the Key West, like if Billy Crystal yeah. would have woke up and been like after they came back from Key West and be like, oh, I've dreamt we were in Key West. I'd be like, oh, that's more believable than it's all the stuff that's going on in Key West right weird. now. I'm like, it's weird. Like about 30 minutes into the movie, the two of them just fuck off and go to Key West. <laughs> and then we just have like 10 minutes of them meandering around Key West, hooking up with different women, going on like. Yeah. They decide to buy a bar and 
Yeah. <laughs> For $180,000, which is insane. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, part really surprised me because, uh, like, so in the beginning of the film, like, they're trying to bust the, um, Julio Gonzalez, played by Jimmy Smith. And I, I also like. Is that the least amount of thought ever put into a character name? It's like, oh, what sounds vaguely Spanish? Julio Gonzalez. John. <laughs> the most generic Latino name that the screenwriter ever could have thought of. It's like somebody was listening to Julio Iglesias while Speedy Gonzalez was playing on the TV and just combined the two. <laughs> but yeah, like, I mean, I, well, the first thing, like, they, they figure out that Julio is up to something just because he's driving a really nice car. Yeah. He's just kind of so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's driving a Mercedes. No, something's up. Something. Well, he's driving a Mercedes in, like, this bad neighborhood. I mean, it's, yeah, they're, they're on, like, a stakeout. At the beginning, I guess they don't really define what they're doing. They're just kind of hanging out and they they mess around with some kids playing basketball. And then Jimmy Smith drives up in a nice car and Joey Pants gets out and has a briefcase that they discover has $50,000 in it. I'm sorry, John. There they were, they were some there wasn't kids playing basketball. It was grown men. Yeah. They decided to like interrupt their game. <laughs> it was so weird. It was so weird. They took the ball, the guys, basketball they, from they them. They are kind of assholes. <laughs> like, yeah. as, over the course of the movie, it's just like they just become more greater and greater assholes. They do something towards the end of the movie. I'm just like, that is not okay, you guys. <laughs> oh, I think I know you what you're talking. I think I know what you're thinking about. If it's the yeah, same thing I'm yeah. thinking about, uh, we, we'll get to it because that's that's kind of down the road a little bit. But I was just like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's that's like crossing about six lines there. <laughs> it's yeah. like it's I, like everything. I'm sorry, good. No, I was going to say, I, I think he's thinking about the same thing I'm thinking about because we sometimes we link up like that and we'll yeah. we'll we'll get to it. We'll get to it. I just it's a very strange like from the first 30 minutes, you're like, what is happening? Like, they don't have any warrants. They're like, yeah. took stuff. they took Snake's money out of his. They told him his, if, yeah. uh, he had fifty thousand dollars in a briefcase. They only right. put in five thousand dollars <laughs> and then they took yeah. forty five thousand dollars. But it's totally fine. Like, for some reason, like, I'm like, this is every awful, this is an episode of Blue Buds, but like on yeah. steroids. It's, it's, <laughs> I guess in the age of copaganda, it, it plays kind of differently where you're just like, oh, this is, you know, this is why cops are like out of control because we, we, <laughs> we got like a good 20, 30 years of movies of like, yeah. they break the rules, but they get results and... and you know, and now I'm just looking at it. And I'm just like, this is this is not okay. None of this is okay. None <laughs> of this is okay in Chicago, on the north side of all places. Like, yeah. they're running the '80s and the north side of Chicago. They're like, this is a dangerous place, so we got to be dangerous people. And you're like, you guys can tone it down just a little bit. It'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then like as the movie goes on, like they they try to bust uh, Julio Gonzalez. Uh, there's at one point. Um, they find like there was a jumper that you know died and right. you know from jumping off a building. Then they later on they right. find out it was a cop and then he actually drowned. And right. so there's like another mystery to solve. And then la later on they get uh, Snake to uh, cooperate with them and tell them where Julio's going to be at. Of course, it's always down by the docks. And then like they end up capturing Julio, but like Snake gets shot and killed. And then uh, Julio, they have to let Julio go because like they. They captured him without the DA's knowledge. And then, like, it's like you guys said, like, midway through the movie, 
you know, of course, we see. Oh, we didn't mention uh, the police chief uh, played by the great Dan Hedaya. Dan Hedaya. I mean, uh, when are you not happy to see Dan Hedaya in a movie? Really? Yeah, he's he's a he's the Totalis. Yeah, he's in the Totalis. Yeah, he's Nick from Cheers. He's he's Cher's yeah. dad, Lewis. He's Nick Totelli. Adam's Family movies. I mean, or I think just the first one. But anyway, he's always but, around. Yeah, Dan Hedaya. It makes everything better. Yeah. So like, uh, so like, because they arrested uh, Julio, you know, kind of illegally. Even though Julio got a guy got snake shot in front of them, and even though Julio said he killed the uh, the cop from that jumped off the building, he did. Like, I forgot about that. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, and they were like, "Oh, we have to let him go," and we're like, "Really?" And they and and halfway through the movie, the guys are in a bar drinking, and you think they're still in Chicago, but then they leave the bar. You see they're in Key West, Florida, yeah, living they, they it up. up and, and yeah, yeah, and like, like I've south yeah. as we can go without speaking Spanish. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, they did say that, <laughs> and like that really surprised yeah. me because like halfway through the movie, they're like, "Yo, fuck Chicago, fuck being a cop, fuck this case." <laughs> Let's just let's just yeah. retire. Let's fuck it. Let's just retire and and live here, buy a bar, and drink all drink for the rest of our lives. Like but apparently, this plot point did at one point make more sense because it was originally written for like a, a pair of cops who were close to retirement. It was originally written for Gene Hackman and Paul Newman. Mm. So they were they were going to be cops who were on the verge of retirement. And then Peter Hyams, the director, he was like. No, I want to do a movie about younger cops who don't end up retiring. And so the, apparently the studio was like, genius, yes. And then they cast <laughs> Billy Crystal and Gregory Hines. Um, so, oh, well, yeah, yeah, I guess yeah. more sense. But yeah, I mean, they say they, they have like 16 years in. And I guess Crystal and Hines are both in their mid-30s at this point. So I guess it's mildly plausible that they're 16 years in on the force. But yeah, that was I, such I think, a like, strange plot point. Yeah, yeah I think like it, yeah, like during the movie, it's um, uh, Gregory Hines' character Ray, his birthday, and they say they make a yeah. point to say he's like in his mid thirties, like thirty six. Well, yeah, they they say they say he's thirty six, and then Ray is like, "No, I'm thirty four. Um, yeah. So it was I, a I very strange thing. To... Yeah, very strange. By the way, uh, no, does, was... does any does any cop have like earrings like Gregory Hines has in this movie? I would I would think that would not be allowed. Well, he's undercover. <laughs> So he's I think I think what I've learned from uh, cops in undercover movies, you can wear anything. It's the Serpico rule. You can wear a, pon- a poncha. You can wear uh, <laughs> any type of hat you like. Yeah. Anything to get anything to get you know with your man or or your That's person. True. And you true. wear anything. All right, all right, all right. The the, the earrings are forgiven then. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Plug that plot well, I just uh, no that that whole that whole day so. You were talking about the Key West part, and let's let's not gloss over the fact that they went to smart, sign a small business loan in roller skates, high socks, yeah. and crop top shirts. That's how, they top. Their, <laughs> that's how they signed there. Yeah. And it's the eighties; so they're wearing like the really short shorts too. Yeah, right. So, so now this is how Darren and I basically started talking about this. We both started singing Michael McDonald's "Sweet Freedom." You know, we started singing that, which kind of tapes this movie together. I I feel like that song like kind of brings it all together. By the way, did you guys watch the video? Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about about the video. Just about to talk about it. 
the video is better than the movie in the fact that they look like they're having so much fun in that yeah, video. The video is 100% more entertaining than the movie. They look like they're having so and And Gregory Hines has this wonderful, fantastic, mm-hmm. totally spectacular crop top Walter Payton jersey on. Like he cut, yeah. he cut it under right before the 34th, like the numbers. And right. he's wearing it in the video. And I'm like, I've never seen that before in my life. I probably never will again. And Gregory Hines, I respect everything that you've done in that Walter Payton jersey. I love this it. Was, this was that that weird era in the mid-80s where you had a, a song in a movie. You could get the stars of the movie to do the music video. Like, you know, like in the Ghostbusters video where, where Bill Murray and all the boys are just dancing down the Times Square with Ray Parker Jr. And yeah, and here like, Billy Crystal and Gregory Hines are in there and they're like lip syncing. They're pretending they're singing back up on the song. And weirdly, they're both better lip syncers than Michael McDonald. Yeah. (laughs) How are you better at lip syncing than the professional musician? But Michael McDonald's just like, and and he just, he just looks so indifferent in this music video. It's kind of hilarious. Uh, you are 100% right. He's like, and they're like, sweet freedom. And they're like killing it. They're killing it. Yeah. Okay. They're, they're having the time of their lives. And Michael McDonald looks just like, oh, I love Peter Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Top three celebrity cameos in the 80s for music videos for me. You oh, said Ghostbusters. Damn. Correct. Ghostb- right? I mean, Ghostbusters, that's that's Cameo City. I mean, you got, you got, the, you got all the Ghostbusters. You get George Wendt. You got Peter Falk, you got Melissa Gilbert, you got Danny DeVito, right. none of whom have anything to do with the movie, but they are just there in the Ghostbusters yeah. video. Al Franken's um, in it. Al Franken <laughs> doing a Mick Jagger impression. <laughs> they were just hanging out yeah. and they were just like, hey, you guys want to be in a video? So it's yeah. that, this one, and um, Going Gets Tough with Billy Ocean with Kathleen Turner, Danny oh. DeVito again. And, um, Good Paul, my friend. Good Paul. Yeah, those Good are my Paul. top three. Yeah, He's actually doing stuff yeah. in the video, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, Very nice. Well done. I, I don't think we've had like a cameo laden music video like that since like they did the video for the Friends theme song. We had all the Friends dancing around together. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> you know, Courtney Cox playing drums on the Friends theme song, and I'm like, yeah, she plays drums with the replacements. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> replacements. It's the Rembrandts. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was mixing up my music groups. <laughs> I've never, I, as much as I love SNL, I've never watched an episode of Friends. It's just never come up. And I don't uh-huh. know where that leaves me in like the pop culture zeitgeist. But like, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not, indif- I'm kind of indifferent on it. But I know all those guys have, have um, hosted, mm-hmm. or most of them have hosted yeah. SNL. You probably know the deal, though. I mean, you don't need to have seen Friends at this point. It's just permeated the culture enough that you, you, you could probably do a decent job summarizing an episode of Friends without ever having seen it. I would think. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think it's fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and you also mentioned. I don't know if you want to mention it, but like, did anybody else find this weird or so? But like, uh, during the Key West scenes, like you know, we see you know Gregory Hines and Billy Crystal without shirts, and both those dudes are jacked as hell, like, like yeah. shredded. <laughs> I'm not surprised by Gregory Hines being in good shape because, you know, professional dancer. But Billy Crystal, I was not prepared for those abs. That is, what the hell? Dude, he's yoked. I read that, like, Billy Crystal worked out for this movie, uh, because I guess because he was playing a cop. But 
yeah, Billy Crystal being in that shape, that that wrinkled my brain a little bit. Uh, You've never seen him with his shirt off after. I think that's the yeah. only time. <laughs> yeah. Just I mean, we, he did not have this when we did Mr. Saturday Night. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he did not. Yeah. But no, I just even so. So then after they go to Key West, they decide yeah. to come back. And then they're yeah. like, hey, we're leaving. And then they, they're told that uh, Jimmy Smith's character is back on the street and they can't have it. They went from being totally zen to infuriated. Yeah. To- yeah. <laughs> well, they, they gave their 30 days notice and they're like, yeah, we let we let him go while you were away in Florida because he made bail. Um, and yeah, and they're just they're just enraged. That's right. We got to get this guy. In 30 days. In 30 days. In yeah. 30 and, days. and also they have to train their replacements. Um, they're like these two younger cops who are like maybe five years younger than <laughs> the nine in Billy Crystal. But they're the, they're the rookies. Yeah, I think I, I, think I noticed yeah. like one of those cops wasn't, I think one of, I forget the characters. I'll look up the actor's name, but I'm pretty sure one of those cops was uh, Uncle Rico in Napoleon Dynamite. If I'm not oh, really? Sure. I think so. He did have a look to him. So yeah, one of the guys was in Scarface, and the other guy was in on Martin. Yes, Stephen. <laughs> That's how I remember them. Guys, one of the guys uh, worked in the radio station on Martin. The other guy was in Scarface. That's how I okay. those guys. All right. Okay, but I mean, but yeah. but they're also like a little handicapped because they're planning to retire in 30 days. So the, of course they want to, they don't want to get shot or anything like that. So that, that's where we get the title. They're running scared. They're a little nervous that something bad's going to happen to them in the 30 days they have left. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which should have been the whole movie. That's actually the movie, right? Like that yeah, is yeah. like, that's like later on in the second act, but that should have been like the first act. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Been, but but we perfect. need that whole 10 minute sequence of them in Key West. I did like they're first in Key West. They see like a bunch of people gathered around, like by the dock. And Billy Crystal's like, "Oh, what's going on? Did somebody find a body or something?" And the woman just <laughs> like, "Oh, we're watching the sunset." And he's like, "Why?" And they're like, "Well, we do this every day. This is what we do here." And he's like, "Why?" And, and it's it's before they've gotten into the whole Key West vibe. I thought that was kind of funny. That that well, was. That's the other trope, and I don't know if you were talking about that being a trope, Darren. But uh, in this one, it's like that Florida is a better place than anywhere else yeah. in the eighty in the eighties. That was like a big thing, right? Everybody was well, just like in with the Florida. Florida. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Florida, Florida was like the like. I mean, if you're from the East Coast or you're from like a like a city where it's always cold and sunny, like yeah, you like it's either like either California or Florida. Like those were the two. Like mm-hmm. oasises, like the they were seen as like the, the utopias of the play of of like of what where you wanted to go. They're like, oh, like life is so much better down in Florida. Yeah, and 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 this movie, the Chicago ports, well, and I guess the Florida part too. It t- they take place around Christmas, which I didn't realize until like halfway through the movie when they're like checking stuff out of the evidence room and you see like a wreath. Or, or, or Christmas decorations around the window. Right. And I'm like, wait, is this Christmas? And then they go to the bar and there's like a little Christmas tree on the bar. So is this a Christmas movie? I feel like if Die Hard is a Christmas movie, Running Scared is also a Christmas movie. Um, Even though they ever say that it's Christmas throughout the entire I movie. I don't know. That's a good catch yeah. by you. And I don't, I don't know. But I know that I was going to say that they do a good job of making Chicago look miserable in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, throughout the movie, yeah. 
they do a very good job of making sure that you do not want to visit Chicago, which is a <laughs> yeah. great place. I've been there five times. I love Chicago. So yeah. well, maybe not Chicago in the eighties though. Well, so right. you could say that about a lot of places in the eighties, right? It's like, <laughs> it's like just don't go. <laughs> I think. Don't go anywhere. As yeah. Darren knows, you know this Darren. Queens in the eighties, not as much fun as we remember. Woo! <laughs> yeah, these, these kids today aren't getting the Brooklyn we got. Yeah, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it was just like, hey, there's no cops out here for vast uh, swaths of Queens, so that's great. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. <laughs> it's um, marvelous. It's marvelous, right? You're running, you see no one around yeah. you for like blocks, yeah. and you're like, great, that's fun. Um, that's, uh, simply marvelous. Simply marvelous. There you go. There's a callback. You guys are hey. professional. Um, <laughs> there. <laughs> No, so and so they they get to this place now. So they got Uzis at some point, mm-hmm. right? So the we all know you can't just guys. yeah, you can't just get Uzis, but they got Uzis because they got them off some bad guys, and yeah. then um, which is you know right for them to take. Well, by the way, there was a, there was a period in the point in the movie where they they somebody they see Snake unloading TV boxes, and they're like, uh-huh. oh, you can't those can't be regular TVs, right? And they're just yeah. a bunch of guns and boxes. I'm like, well, that's just sloppily kept guns. You can't. Yeah. <laughs> we just throw a bunch of guns in the TV box. When does that happen? I mean, put some packing material in there at least. It'd be uh, nice. Fire from peanuts. And and you know maybe not have the guns be loaded when you're transporting them because that just seems to be asking for trouble. <laughs> it was it was like a hot mess of like 80s. Like ridiculous, like how you, you know what? The only thing, and maybe I'm wrong. Did you guys see anybody put a gun in their pants? That's the only thing I think is missing from this whole thing. Like after shooting, like sticking a gun in their pants, which is infuriates I was, I me. Specifically looking for that, but yeah, you do see a lot of Cavalier gun safety in in these '80s movies. Um, yeah, like I mean, there there is a one point like one of them sets off his gun accidentally in the locker room after they get back. Right. From the right. Yes. Yes. Chris yes. Blackson, shoots off his gun because he's so he's so careless he's still in florida mode um yeah 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 i mean i think these cops don't uh they're i don't know i, I mean i know they're supposed to be the heroes of this movie and put you put the portrayed in the best light but yeah like uh i i mean john you kind of mentioned it earlier like they're, they're kind they're, of assholes they're kind of <laughs> yeah like like one thing they do is like when they're trying to find then they do this throughout the whole movie when they're, when they're trying to find julio gonzalez their yeah. first like course of action is to like harass some Latinos that n- know him and like shit and they just shake right. them down. Like I think at, at one point they go to, I guess it's Julio's mom or aunt. And he's like, all right, yeah. where's Julio? Where is he? And at one point, Billy uh, Crystal's character threatens to like deport her. <laughs> it's an awful scene. It's an yeah. awful scene. Yeah. Awful, awful. It's so bad. He's like immigration. I, I, and she's like, okay, I'll tell you everything. I'm like, what yeah. is happening? <laughs> I, I did. Lo- I did like when they were like going door to door at one point. Like Gregory Hines, he waves at this little kid who's like behind his mother, and the kid just automatically gives him the finger. And I was like, okay, that's cool. That's a that's cool bet. Um, that's funny. I, I like that. Yeah, I like that. Uh, Gregory Hines. Okay, as long as we're talking about horrible things these cops are doing. Okay, Gregory Hines. We see early in the movie, he and Billy Crystal they go to a bar and and they're both like sort of macking on this woman. And she's vibing with Gregory Hines more and she hooks up with Gregory Hines. And we find out over the course of the scene that like she's got a husband or she's she's got a boyfriend 
but she's just like, yeah, no, whatever. I'll, I'll still hook up with you. I'll still go home with you. Yeah. And, and then later, and then later in the movie, Gregory Hines goes to her apartment and we think it's like connected to the investigation. No, he, he just goes there and he, he like questions about this woman. He's like, Oh, she's got all these unpaid parking tickets. And her boyfriend who answered the door is like, oh, I told her to pay that. And then she goes off with Gregory Hines and hooks up with him again. Yeah. Her boyfriend looked like he was 65 years old, right? Yeah. Like, I'm sure it was just like a, a 80s 30, but that guy looked really old. And then like, and he's like super rude to her. So yeah. they, and and then so he just like takes her out and they like go hang out at a bar together. And then right. Billy Crystal's ex-wife comes and she's like, I always, I never miss Ray's birthday and did like kisses Gregory Hines on the mouth yeah that's how they say hello to each other I'm like what's yeah. happening in this movie there's a lot of affection there um yeah yeah I for a minute I did think like did Billy's did his ex like hook up with Gregory Hines character at some point because they're they're very <laughs> close yeah there there's a lot of affection there but the, the thing that threw me for the loop is like towards the end of the movie Gregory Hines apparently wants to hook up with this woman again because I guess she's just that good of a lay. And they actually arrest her boyfriend. They like right. frame him for something. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He didn't do shit, man. What the hell are you doing? And and they, and he is just in he is just arrested for the rest of the movie. They never address it. And it's just, yeah, Gregory Hines, he he gets to go have police siren sex at his apartment because he's got a police bike in his apartment for some reason. Cause it's well, cool, also, man. Yeah. It's yeah, it's cool, but also like there's a part where he rides the 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 motorcycle out of the right. of the back of his apartment. And that yeah. drop off of his apartment to the floor looked steep. Like, I don't, yeah. <laughs> it looked like a steep drop. So I was like, the stuntman must have had an awful time with that. And, yeah. uh, but, you know, at least they used the motorcycle gentleman. You know, they didn't just have it as a prop. They used Yeah, it, it wasn't just yeah. like a, it was, it, yeah, they did do the, they fired the Chekhov's gun, you know, which is yes. nice. <laughs> yeah, there is a reason that he has the motorcycle. Uh there, there is a, a good car chase about halfway through the movie that I was pretty impressed insane. by. Insane. There's an insane yeah. car chase. I, I don't even think, can you call that a, char, a car chase if they go up on the train tracks for some reason? And then, I, like... <laughs> I mean, it was two cars involved, so I, I still feel comfortable calling it a car chase, even though it's on train tracks. Yeah, they and, and the train gets involved at some point, and then yeah. they're avoiding trains. Like, I don't understand, yeah. like, filming that, how insane it must have been just to film everything that happened on that car chase that's insane i think i think that's definitely the standout sequence in this movie though i was like okay this is something i haven't really seen before or arresting arresting a priest and a nun and then going on a car chase that's that's yeah yeah it starts out there they're at the airport and they're you know they're wanting to bust gonzalez because he's like smuggling drugs in from mexico um because it's an 80s movie and that's what you do um, <laughs> and they, they think they busted Gonzalez with all this cocaine, and then they find out that the cocaine wasn't real cocaine, or or it's so diluted that it's not really worth anything. Because apparently they were able to analyze the cocaine before they even leave the parking lot at the airport. Oh which, yeah, that's another thing, right? Yeah, they were just like, oh, I know this. This is, this is bad cocaine. coke. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, wait, how does that work? Don't you have to take it back to a lab and do something like get out, get out a beaker or something? Uh, but I guess they just did that taste test that all '80s cops do, where they're just like, oh man, 
That is oh, it's cocaine. Oh, it's pure. Oh, <laughs> you know. How do you know? And then no one ever goes. How do you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, know what pure cocaine, cocaine tastes like? Should oh, exactly. <laughs> cocaine tastes like. You know, nobody. You never have their captain call them in. And it's like, what's this about you tasting cocaine at crime scenes? That, <laughs> that is not okay. That um, would make me. Yeah. Did you cut open a bag of cocaine with a knife and then taste it at the crime scene? <laughs> <laughs> Why did you rub it against your teeth like that? That's yeah. like kind yeah. of a, a, a red flag there, buddy. <laughs> hey, you destroyed you destroy $20,000 worth of evidence. What do you yes. do? <laughs> exactly. But uh, that's, you know, we're all just like, oh, they're, oh, they're good. They're good. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I don't think that's part of police academy training where they're like, okay, everybody, we're going to taste some cocaine now so you can tell the difference between real and fake cocaine. (laughs) That's just that's a weird thing that 80s movies would do that we just never question. You got to get the bad guys, man. That's that's how that's how it goes. Right. Like You do anything possible to get to the bad guys and make sure even and as this is why I like to call it gun bucking in broad daylight. There's so many uh-huh. scenes where they're just shooting in the daytime, right? <laughs> and, and different yeah. people, and they're like by, bystanders everywhere. Yeah, they, people do that everywhere all the time, all the time. Yeah, they shot a car because people tried to ro- two people tried to rob them, and right. then the car backed up and was coming towards them, and they just started shooting at the car. I'm like, what if I? Yeah. <laughs> they just go right for the deadly force. Yeah, they they're not shooting the tires. They're like, oh no, I right. hit the windshield six times, and I'm like, why are you trying to shoot this dude in the head? <laughs> they tried to rob you. That's how does that justify deadly force? It's it's weird. Yeah, it's a very I'm strange. Like, yeah. Steadily losing sympathy for these guys throughout the movie. Well, like uh, towards the end when they when they outright arrest this guy whose only crime is being the boyfriend of the guy that Gregory Hines or the woman that Gregory Hines wants to hook up with. I'm just like, that's not a good enough reason to arrest the dude. Yeah. (laughs) They kind of play it off. They kind of play it off as like, Oh, hijinks boys will be boys. Yeah. And I'm just like, what the hell? Also, they (laughs) have like the classic shootout at a mall. Right. At the very end. Right. But Uh, here's the thing about it. High rise, the big uh, climax is like at some convention center in Chicago. Or yeah, something. Oh, State that's building. what it was. Okay, yeah. State, State building. Okay, yes. State building. Yeah, the escalator kind of like confused me. Yeah, it looks it looks like a mall because it's a building in the eighties. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they, and they all and they did and they did that thing in the movie that they always do when um, uh, Julio Gonzalez captures uh, mm-hmm. Danny's ex wife. Yeah, and, like holds her hostage. Like you have my coke, you. You, you meet me here. Come alone. No cops. And you'll get back. Your yeah. So so they they have to bring Julio's cocaine to him because they confiscate. They like after the fake cocaine, like because they're such super cops, they found where the real cocaine was that he was secretly smuggling in. Um, and they they have like, I don't know, it's like three or six million dollars worth of cocaine there. And they they get it out of the evidence locker by. Billy Crystal pretends he's Dan Hedaya on the phone right? because the, the guy at the evidence locker won't release it to Gregory Hines without his partner being there, you know, and th- then it's totally okay to give him $3 million worth of cocaine. $3 million. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. <laughs> what is that in the 80s? So that's like $5 million in today's money or something, right? I, I don't know what it is. It's gotta be at least. I mean, 
um, but yeah, and they get and they go to yeah, they go to the, and they have the big shootout with uh, Jimmy Smiths and all the guys, and and they they find all the security of the building tied up in in their underwear. <laughs> The henchmen are stolen the uniforms, but they apparently don't let any of the security people free. No, yeah, no, you got to do it by yourself, man. You don't want any. You gotta, you gotta go. <laughs> but, but the replacement guys still tag along because they 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 suspect something is up. Right. Uh, so they join in on on the shootout fun at the end. Um, and and Gregory Hines has a thing where he like. He gets like window washing equipment and he we're supposed to believe he like somehow repels up to the yes. climbs up to the top of this building. And we see the beginning of his climb and he is climbing way too slowly to get to the top of the building. <laughs> yeah, because I, I think when they found the cops tied up or the guards tied yeah. up, he was like, hey, is there any way to get up to, you know, this certain floor without being yeah. seen? And they were like, no, you can't do it, you know, unless you're like a window washer and, that, and use that contraption right. over there. Right. So yeah, he was like repelling from the ceiling. Yeah, I mean, Ugh. and he, I mean, he's 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 got all this, you know, it looks like mountain climbing gear, and you're like, okay, well, that's like five ten minutes for him to get all the gear and get all that on and get all that up. <laughs> and we see the beginning of him climbing up, and he he makes. We see this for like thirty seconds. He moves up maybe five feet. <laughs> maybe I'm being generous and saying it's five feet, and then. And then in the time, there's a cutaway to Billy Crystal. And then from the time it takes Billy Crystal to enter the building and meet and reach like the middle of the lobby, somehow Gregory Hines has gotten up to however many floors it is, like dozens of floors. He's suddenly on the on the roof. And I'm like, what the hell? Did he like catch an elevator? <laughs> He's got a strong I, core. I, I don't know. He's <laughs> a very strong core. You can I, do it. I, I, yeah. I was like, how the fuck did Gregory Hines get up? <laughs> like, so fast? I don't. I don't get that. I don't get that. Well, then, and then you talk about, and then there's just like a straight up shootout going on, right? Like it's yeah. just straight up, like yeah. killing, killing henchmen. Like. Yeah, <laughs> left and right, people are falling over balconies, and yeah, yeah. no, yeah. and then they get hit. Wait, so Billy Crystal got hit, right? And then Gregory Hines, did Gregory Hines get shot? I don't remember that part. Did he get He's shot? Also? Yeah, He's, he got injured somehow. They they. They're vague about it. Um, like it. Billy Crystal, like the big climax, Billy Crystal's in one glass elevator going up. His ex-wife is in the other elevator. <laughs> Forgot about this. And they, they shoot out the glass of both elevators. And Billy Crystal can open the door of his elevator and get out. But his wife can't. Her her door is shorted out or something. And he's like, honey, you have to jump over. You have to jump oh over. And yeah. And she's his ex-wife. But, you know, she still loves him. She just left him because the, the job was too tough. She's engaged to another guy. She's engaged, She's engaged to get married. Engaged to a dentist. And then after Billy Crystal rescues her, she like just uh, kisses Billy Crystal and and Gregory Hines is like, I thought, uh, hey, what about the dentist? And she's like, who? She literally is like, who? <laughs> Fuck that dude. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm literally saying. Like, uh, he might be a nice guy. And then, wait, you, yeah. you, you're divorced. And you're gonna go back into this whole like situation. I understand it, he got you from a glass elevator and, yeah, and yeah. he killed the drug pink kingpin. However, but that's that's not the foundation <laughs> of a good relationship going forward. That's I mean, it's it's like the end of speed, you know, it's like the, the, the relationships out of those stressful situations, they're not built to last. Yeah. You, so, you, yeah, you so still I, have issues. <laughs> yeah, let's talk those issues out. Yeah. Let's get yeah, and then, here. 
Yeah, I mean, and at the very end of this film, so they end up, you know, of course, shooting and killing Julio Gonzalez. They get their right. man, they win. Right. And uh, it's like you said, uh, Danny's ex uh, makes out with him, and I guess yeah. they're going to reconcile. Then Danny and Ray, uh, Billy Crystal and uh, Gregory Hines, they talk. They're like, oh, this is like, are you? Are we sure we're ready to leave all this? Like, you know, leave the city yes. in, in the hands of these uh, these young whippersnappers, these replacements. These and young whippersnappers. Five years younger than us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then they're like, no, let's stay in Chicago and, and, and keep doing this. So yeah. I was like, so then that whole B plot of them moving to Key West and that, that, was, that just gets thrown to the side and the movie ends. Yeah. Yep. You guys, yep. you guys like signed a little like, freeze frame and, you know, ha, 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 ha. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and apparently it's totally okay that they got the cocaine out and under false pretenses and destroyed half that evidence and shot all these people. And didn't get any backup, and yeah, refuse it's, it's, it's always at the end of these movies. Like the cop goes rogue, and then if they make a sequel, there are apparently no consequences for them going rogue at all. No, nope, <laughs> at all. It's 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 apparently totally okay if you go rogue as long as you shoot Jimmy Smith at the end. That's right. You yes. got yeah. your man. Cancel each other yeah. out. And I and I don't mean <laughs> killing Jimmy Smith. I don't mean the character he's playing. I mean as long as you actually shoot Jimmy Smith, the actor. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure people have tried, and he's still kicking. He's still around. He's still around. Hey, God bless you, Jimmy Smith. We love you. Uh, I want I, I just wanted to really clear. So when we were talking about like why this movie um, and all this stuff, first first of all, they had a small business loan that they signed for 180 grand. I don't know how you square that circle that you're not going to do that anymore. You signed yeah, a bank. You're going to have to like figure some stuff out. Yeah. Um, true. <laughs> But this reminds me of Beverly Hills Cop in the fact that this was made for somebody else, right? For yeah. like an older, an old. I think Beverly Hills Cop was made for Sly Stallone, and this was made for, like you said, uh, you said Robert Redford, John. And it was it was going to be Gene Hackman and Paul Newman, according to Paul, Paul Newman and Gene Hackman. But they took a lot of the stuff that was supposed to be in there, and they just like added some stuff. But they really didn't pull far away from it being like a black character, right? So the Gregory right. stuff was like you could see all that stuff happen, and it was like turned up. But at the same time, it's just because he's a younger man. It's not necessarily yeah. so. So I that's what's interesting about it. Like you, you're, we're seeing it at the lens of being like, uh, you cops are being insane. But if it was Gene Hackman, you'd just be like, oh, this is great because not you personally, but me, I would just be like, this is just Gene Hackman being Gene Hackman. You know, yeah. climbing up a building, <laughs> being, cool. being cool, you know, shooting at a cop car. And I'm like, Gregory Hines, I just saw you in the Muppet movie. What are you doing, buddy? <laughs> you know, I just saw you. Up in, I just saw you up in State Manhattan. What is happening in roller skates, by the way? He had roller skates in Muppet State Manhattan also. That, that was part so, of his ride. He had to be in roller skates in every movie. Yeah. <laughs> Those 80s riders, man. They were yeah. insane. Eminem's roller skates. Show off my sweet roller skating skills and, and I got to wear a crop top. <laughs> He had a he did have a crop top one in the Muppet Steak Manhattan. So he loves, he loves it. He loves it. Everybody was rocking the crop top. I would rock if I could, I would rock a crop top right now, but I can't do that when right. I drop off my daughter. I, um, I had those Billy Crystal abs, you know. I mean woo. listening. If Billy Crystal had Billy Crystal abs now. Yeah. I mean, hey. So it's yeah, it's interesting. It feels like the movie it really wants to be Beverly Hills Cop or Forty Eight Hours, and they're, they're like, "Hey, let's we'll get the funny guy from SNL, and you know, and and it'll be like, yeah." And but it it, it never quite rises above the level of generic cop movie. It's it's no. I mean, it's fine. It's it's just 
it just feels like a very mediocre by the numbers type of cop movie. And that's fine. There's nothing really wrong with that, but yeah, they, no, absolutely. Yeah. I'm sorry to cut you off guys, but I just want to say they were the delight of this movie. Like they, their, their chemistry kind of took over like plot points and like casting. Yeah. Like it just, it just kind of all disappears when they're like, they're doing basically a vaudeville act the whole time. Right. So they're yeah, just like, yeah. they're just like repeating each other. They're talking, they're talking over each other, but they're actually like, they're just complimenting each other in each scene so much. And they're just like, it's just, it's just such a, like a refreshing, like, and it's just tough to see that they never did. I don't, to my knowledge, anything else, because you would think that they would have like another movie, you know, not just a running scare franchise, but just like something else down the, down the pike. They, they yeah. do have some chemistry together and they are having fun with each other. And they seem to like on the DVD I got, there's like a little behind the scenes featurette where it's just like Billy Crystal showing off the trailers. Um, <laughs> um, the trailers they were staying in, not the trailers of the movie. Although the trailer of the movie is in there too, because, you know, right. jam packed with special features. But yeah, they, they do have a decent chemistry together. I wouldn't have mind seeing, seeing them do something else together. Um, yeah, like, I mean, you think they could have had, like, a whole, like, Gene Hack, like, uh, not Gene Hackman, uh, Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor type of thing, where they keep, yeah, they, they keep being in in um, different movies, but they play different characters. Like, they, they had story and chemistry. I'm really surprised they didn't go on to do other things together. Yeah. I think Billy Crisco got really busy. And then he just like started doing like whatever he wanted. Just going back to that one year of SNL, like I think I think he just that one year he did on SNL, wherever he was, just like he just kind of exploded, you know. And then yeah. after that, it was like, you know, City Slickers is like what four years after or something like that. So he was probably in production yeah. for like two years. So nine or ninety something like that. And you know, he had Harry with Sally, so he he was rocking by the end of the eighties. Um, yeah, uh, you know, uh, Princess Bride, of course. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. 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 No, all that stuff was, yeah. He probably was just like out of there. Yeah. But, no, it's, it's a great movie to like look back on and what could be, cause this was not, not them being awful cops, but the hope, the hopefulness out of me for the eighties was like, you would see more movies just like this, just different characters coming in, you know, getting in, being able to be horrible people uh-huh. without any <laughs> without the consequence. Okay. <laughs> just, yeah, they were truly like the age without consequence. Yeah. Just, you, you see these these guys just raising hell for for an hour and a half, and then and then it's just like, oh yeah, it's all okay. Oh okay, that's fine. They got the guy right. Fine, oh, the fine. one guy. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of amazing. Jimmy Smith has like a really thankless role. Like his his villain character has like no real traits or anything. He's just he's just kind of there. Good point. <laughs> yeah, it's just a very thin character. You know, they didn't put a whole lot yeah. of thought into Julio Gonzalez. I'm afraid. Yeah, just like oh, he's, he's Latino. He dresses nice. Yeah, and uh, the end. He takes their pants in that one scene. <laughs> oh, oh right. yeah, they walk around in long johns. Right, I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah, that, that was like one of the few things I remembered about this movie. I remembered that they were cops. I remembered that there was a scene where they have their pants stolen and they're like they're shooting after the guy in long johns. And I remembered the climax in the in the high rise thing, and that was about it. And yeah, <laughs> that's about that sounds about right. Yeah, it's it's cute. 
Um, before, you know, we, we end off and do stuff like that. Do you guys have, uh, and I'm asking that single nerd, so I feel good about this. Do you guys have a favorite character all time that you guys could talk about? Or do you guys not, you just like, live or? um, what I, I mean, whatever, just like off the top of your head, do you guys have like a favorite character that you're like, uh, this is, you know, it could have been like an entryway SNL thing. And I'm, you know, if you guys went over this already, I apologize. I just, oh, like fine. Um, I don't, probably the first character I was a really big, big fan of was, was Dana Carvey's the church lady. I thought that was great. Yeah. And I saw, you know, like when I was in my teens, Dana Carvey made an appearance at one of the local colleges and he like, he closed out his act with the church lady doing a thing with it where the church lady was at Thanksgiving. Um, and I was, it was actually a dueling impression. He did, he did the church lady, and he was doing Al Pacino's Scarface. <laughs> so strange. Yeah, the church lady was like putting Scarface in his place. Um, yeah, that that was probably the first one. I mean, there there've been loads of characters I've I've been nuts about over the years, though. Darren, what about you? Uh, I mean, I think I mentioned that on the podcast before, but I'd probably uh, go with. Um... Well, I mean, as I said on the podcast before, like I'm a huge Eddie Murphy fan. He was like the first cast member that I, I pretty much like was obsessed with. So I'd probably go with uh, Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood. Like, yeah, good. I, like I just think I just love that sketch every time it came on, just the way he, you know, his inflection. You're like, mm-hmm. who could that be, boys and girls? And he's always talking <laughs> about, you know, robbing people and welfare and stuff. And of course, every time, there's always one point where somebody knocks on his door and he says, this is how we answer the door in my neighborhood. Who is it? Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I, I, I fall out laughing every time. Mm-hmm, Just, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'll say that. I'll say Mr. Robinson's neighborhood. So what about you, Tommy? You know what? I, I was going to say one thing and then I'll, I'll change it off. My favorite character all time oh, is definitely Ed Grimley. I said it before because he had an Ed Grimley uh, cartoon. Martin Short. Did. Yeah. So oh, yeah, I used to love watching. Yeah. It was just like this. It, it kind of just changed my mind on what comedy is or what cartoons are. But mm-hmm. my favorite character one off of all time is little orphan Annie, uh, James Brown doing little orphan Annie on Broadway. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that one. It's Eddie Murphy being. Yeah. It's Eddie Murphy being, you can't really find it on YouTube anymore, but I had, we had it on the VHS tape and it was Eddie Murphy uh, doing the sun will come out tomorrow as James Brown wearing a little oh, orphan oh. Annie outfit, and uh-huh. every time I see that, and it's just nothing. It's just him singing "Sun will come out tomorrow," and then they cut it, and then they cut it off basically. And it's so funny to me every time I see it because it's just like a a brilliant little. It's a great way to showcase Eddie Murphy. It's a great thing that was on Broadway at the time. It was just like mm-hmm. a funny little thing. So that's just it. Always makes me laugh when I think about it. Nice. All right, not bad. So yeah, so that's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's all. Yeah, that, that's that's all. Like yeah, yeah. It's not bad. <laughs> no, hey, I just, just sweated and bled for you, Darren. Yeah, not bad. <laughs> it, it, it really I didn't ask you to do that. Level of fine. <laughs> yeah, it's decent. It's yeah. It's <laughs> it is undeniably a top movie starring. Gregory Hines and Billy Crystal. So if you're in the mood for that sort of thing, this is a thing that exists. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, check it out. See what you think. I think we might have gotten some uh, Twitter responses. All right, yes, we did get some tweets. 
about it. We were letting everybody know we we're doing a sweet, uh, sweet freedom, of course, running scared. Um, and uh, we heard from uh, Steve Harold at Joint Partners mm-hmm. saying about this movie. Hines and Crystal had such amazing chemistry on screen. I was always bummed that they never worked together again. I know there was a briefly, there was briefly a sequel talked about, but I would have preferred them just make other films playing new characters. Which, yeah, you know, we we agree, we agree with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. So, and, yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's our episode, guys. Running scared, nineteen eighty six. Not, not too bad. Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, I would say that's a good summation. Pretty good. Pretty good. Oh, if they would oh, have by the way. More- I just came across a little bit of, of more trivia. Uh, it was originally written for Gene Hackman, Paul Newman, as we said. Um, but uh, two other people who were discussed for, they were apparently offered the roles of Hughes and Costanzo, Tom Selleck and John Travolta. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Selleck totally turned it down movie. to commitments to Magnum PI, while Travolta's agent at the time, Michael Ovitz, felt the project was wrong for him. So. I could see that. Yeah. Not as much fun. I'm not sure. Doesn't sound as much fun. Considered for Tom Selleck and John Travolta roles all the time. <laughs> has has oh. Tom Selleck ever been funny in anything but Three Men and a Baby? Like I don't, I don't. He doesn't have really like those comedy chops, does he? Uh, he I mean, he's he's decent. He's funny in Magnum PI, I think. Um, he was on some episodes of Friends. That's true. Gee, I wouldn't. Yeah. Good callback. Yeah, I wouldn't funny. know. <laughs> <laughs> He was Courtney Cox's boyfriend on Friends for a good long time, and he, yeah, it was, wow. he was pretty good. Wow! Uh, Did yeah. not know that. Check out the Tom Selleck episodes of Friends. You might be pleasantly yeah. surprised. Yeah, it was a whole yeah. thing because, like, like uh, oh, he's or dating maybe, an older man type of thing. Yeah, maybe maybe just check out the Rembrandt's video with the Friends cast cavorting around. See if I you can like do that. that. I can and do then that. Yeah, that's, that's just like a five minute commitment. Um, five minutes? No. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I mean, it's it's probably like <laughs> I don't know how long the Friends song is, but uh, you should you should definitely watch the the video for "Sweet Freedom" by Michael McDonald, though, if you oh, want to see Billy Crystal and Gregory Hines having the time of their lives. And oh man, I, I'm I'm still weirded out by that they're better at lip syncing than Michael McDonald is. <laughs> Michael McDonald could not give less of a shit about lip syncing. <laughs> He's like barely opening his mouth. <laughs> He's like, I'm He's fulfilling this. I'm fulfilling this contractual, uh, this this contract. This, uh, this and yeah, then I'm out. Contractual obligation. Yeah. Yes, that's the word obligation. <laughs> and it's just like, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I would say that this funny thing is, I was able to find the song on Spotify for this episode. Yeah. I would say four months ago, I was looking for the song on Spotify. I could not find it. Only could find Michael McDonald doing it live. I couldn't find the studio version. So there must have been some contractual stuff going on. But it's such a weird thing to like look up a song and be like, am I crazy? This does not exist. <laughs> <laughs> this is not, is that a thing? What? Yeah. I, I, I went looking for it. I, th- I think Spotify, they heard that we were going to cover this movie. And they were like, well, we better get the song back up. <laughs> an uptick and... Get demand. on it. Yeah. I mean, all the all the Michael Ooh. McDonald heads. What do they call Michael McDonald fans? I don't know. You know, Jimmy uh, Buffett McDonald's. fans. So, yeah. Um, I wanted to bring up one, one more point uh, about the movie that I find refreshing 
is yeah. that um, usually when you have a pairing of a black cop and a white cop, the uh-huh. white cop is usually like more um, like lethal weapon, like, you know, not very like, you know, just off his, off his rocker, as they say, you know, just like yeah. not putting it together. And the, loose cannon. You know, loose cannon. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's, like, it's like, you know, the Mel Gibson character. And then they team with the black cop and the black cop's like more of a sage and old and wise. And you don't get those characters with this, right? It's like right. Billy Crystal is, I guess, not a corrupt cop, but they're just like, <laughs> they're just oh, like they're equally horrible cops. <laughs> yeah, they're both equally yeah. horrible cops. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is all you can ask for. You know, because they have <laughs> you know, you ask for is that they're they're awful people together. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, that's that's true equality. They're equally <laughs> awful. They are equally awful and dangerous cops. And really, they're very dangerous cops. <laughs> I mean, they, they arrest a guy literally because one of them wants to get laid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? I yeah, want to have they, police siren sex in my in my loft apartment. <laughs> That looked like a good apartment too, right? Gregory Hines' apartment. It looked like, yeah, it, yeah. That's probably goes People for a bit of money now. Live, they live in lofts so often, you know. I just because they look good on camera, I guess. But I don't know how he affords that apartment, but uh, yeah, good on him. He's just having random sex with uh, people whose boyfriends he arrests for no reason. <laughs> so, Was that guy released the next morning? I'm just very curious about this well, guy. Uh, oh boy! Well, they didn't. They didn't, they didn't. They didn't think about Snake either. So that's the last thing I want to say. Snake. There was no remorse for Snake. All right. Yeah. No. I mean, they just kind of forget about punctuate pants. He gets, he gets shot for, yeah, no real reason. <laughs> but yeah, what bummer. you gonna do? Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> All right, and uh, yeah, that's our episode, guys. Thanks so much for listening, as always. Tommy Ray, thank you so much for being on the podcast, sir. You are a, a delight. Mm. This was, I was, you took my word. I was going to say this is being a delight. Now I have to think of another word and I will eventually, but what a wonderful experience guys. This was, this was, um, I, I love talking about this type of stuff and I appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you very much. Yeah, no yeah. problem. Uh, is there anything you want to plug? Anything you want, you want to promote? Where can the people find you? On Twitter, it's uh, Tommy Ray two T O double M Y R A Y T O O. And, um, yeah, find, find the smart tweets that I put out of my brain from there. Um, maybe you'll see some Wordle scores. <laughs> Every now and again. Yeah. Oh, I'm a Wordle guy now. And so uh-huh. um, I've totally turned that corner. Um, oh, we got the talk. gangsters do. Yep. Oh, dude. Oh, yeah, man. It's in them streets, the Wordle streets. Um, you can <laughs> find me on there. I got, um, I was talking to you guys previously. I got some, I'm doing some writing. Hopefully I'll have, I'll be able to get that out there uh, early next year. And yeah, I'll be listening to you guys and figuring stuff out also. So sweet. Thank you very much. Cool. All right. Well, um, as always, you can uh, follow the show's Twitter page at SNL Nerds Show. Uh, you can also follow our individual Twitter pages uh, and Instagram pages. I, for instance, am at Trumbull Comic. That's T R U M B U L L and the word comic. Darren, where can folks find you? At Darren Credible, D A R I N Credible, Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and as always, you can hit us up at uh, non-productive.com and uh, donate to our Patreon. Give us some money, some sweet yeah. cash, so we can keep this little uh, this little light of ours shining. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, look, one of our, one, I just noticed one of our Twitter followers, Steve Harrod, uh, he posted a HBO behind the scenes featurette on Running Scared. So I'm, I'm going to go check that out now. Ooh. I don't, I, I, I haven't seen it. Yeah. Now I want to know everything about the making of this movie. So let's do it. Yeah. So let's check that out. Um, so we'll be back next week with more fun SNL stuff. Uh, but until then, nerds, nerds out. out. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablaoui. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.